Welcome to the Fourth Estate Podcast. When four Harvard mathematicians put their skills into running a dating site, the results were unforeseeably successful. OkCupid is one of the biggest online dating sites in the world, with unbounded access to the answers to questions such as, would you prefer good things to happen or interesting things? And in a certain light, wouldn't nuclear war be exciting? All giving them a real insight into the unguarded wants and likes of millions of people, and not without controversy. Then when one of the founders, Christian Rudder, put his skills to writing a book about the big data that OkCupid collects, the result was the extraordinary dataclism. An audacious, irreverent investigation of human behaviour, and a first look at a revolution in the making. I was lucky enough to catch up with the man himself, so stay tuned if you've always wanted to know why curly fries make you more intelligent. Well, firstly, congratulations um, on this absolutely fantastic book, and how long has it taken oh, you, you. Uh, to write altogether? Um, you know, I first started on the proposal uh, three years ago, mm. a little, maybe a little bit more than three years ago. So, um, you know, there are a lot of false starts between, or missteps between then and now. But, um, yeah, I'd say three years. Okay. And uh, you, you describe it as big data part three, kind of the human story. Um, now, your background, obviously, you're a Harvard mathematician and then went on to the spark.com. Uh, so how come you then made the leap into um, the dating site setting up OkCupid, which I uh, very helpfully found described as the Google of online dating? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, SparkNet was, was uh an example of something that I think we did well and we did more cheaply than the competition. Mm. Um, and and so, you know, okay, but obviously uh, when we started, um, we, we, the, pretty much every dating site was, was cost money to join. Um, uh, and so we made it free and we tried to make a good product. Mm. Um, so that, that's, that's kind of how we went from business to dating, um, especially because your department had a small dating component. Um, to it called Spark Match, which was popular, but we, we didn't build it. Uh, we, the code wasn't strong enough to withstand the popularity. Yeah. Classic, uh, you know, 2000, 2001 era uh, internet story there. So, so um, you know, we took another crack at it, and, and you know, it was a long, slow climb, and it definitely was not a uh, overnight success. You know, we've been mm-hmm. in business for 10 years, which is ancient yeah. <laughs> uh, for, for an internet site, yeah. or for, 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 for a popular website, at least. And, uh, and and out of that came um, obviously the blog OK Trends, uh, and there were kind of quite a few sensationalist claims finding about that you were experimenting on people, and there was kind of uh, quite a lot of accusations. And and how did you feel about that? Uh, well, I mean, the blog is always sensationalistic. I mean, it's that's, that's the thing. I think a lot of the, the, the topics that I wrote about on the blog most recently, the experiments was um, so current that a lot of people jumped into the blog with no prior experience with it, and so they took uh, the tone of the blog to be, uh, they mistook a lot of, a lot of the, the, the context for what we were talking about mm. there. Um, so, you know, I mean, at this point, it's all kind of behind me. Uh, yeah. Certainly, some of the reaction, I feel like, was uh, motivated by some of the Internet's worst impulses, which yeah. was kind of... Uh, uh, mob, mob justice mentality, but you know, it's it's, it's all fine <laughs> right now. So. <laughs> and uh, and what made you then decide to turn it into the book that is now Dataclism? Well, you know, um, I had been working with the data for a couple of years, and and and, and I wanted to I don't know, to unify everything. Um, 
you know, a few agents had approached me like, hey, this would be a good book. And of course, you know, that seed gets in there like mm-hmm. a grain of sand and an oyster uh, to make a pearl. You know, you kind of like, ah, this would be cool. Yeah, this would, this would make a good book. And now how, how can I make that happen? I mean, you can't have a book that's all about online dating or just okay Cupid. So that means you got to have other data, mm-hmm. data sets. And, um, you know, it's just one of these kind of organic, accretive processes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, uh, so one of the um, points that you make towards the beginning is that the question of your dark hours, is, as you describe it, um, the kind of the why bother. Um, and right. if we take kind of one of the first examples, which I think you brilliantly call uh, Woodison's Law, after Matthew McConaughey's character in Dazed and Confused, um, about right. basically that all men, no matter what their age, will find 20-something, early 20-year-old women um, the most attractive. So kind of the why, the why bother of that, I guess, is what do we do with that data besides kind of being both eye-rollingly obvious and also kind of jaw-dropping um how can we or how would you um kind of think that people could use that data well i mean not all the data everything that you discover has to be useful right i mean like it's certainly like that's not a uh um you know the kind of like what is a good for standard mm. i think is a really dangerous thing to apply to any kind of learning i mean that's what you hear from you know, uh, engineering majors saying to English majors in college or philosophy majors, you know. Yeah. So, like, um, it, it, I think that's a, a thing people hold, because data is numbers, um, and so many things involving numbers are so practical, people want to hold uh, the kind of human interest side of data to the same standard, which I don't think is necessarily appropriate. But that said, you know, you're right, a, a lot of what you find is uh, kind of obvious, but then also jaw-dropping at the same time, and mm. I think... Um, that, that last part of it is because it's just you get that level of precision and clarity with the numbers that you don't get just from intuition, for example, or from uh, from, from just the experience of living. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, knowing things precisely, uh, in the case of something like racism or, or, or sexism or any these kinds of these kind of social ill things, like the more you understand them, the more you're able to combat them or uh, solve them, I guess. So, um, the example that you give, I, uh, you know, there isn't that. I mean, people can't make themselves a different age, right? <laughs> so, so there, right, there's, there's very little, there's very little that are added to do. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's not interesting for sure. Mm. And uh, um, one example that you come to a bit later, um, that it feels like you really start to touch upon it being something that actually we can use um, in in the real world is um, when you're talking about um, on Tumblr and Pinterest in these hashtag pro Anna, hashtag Anna tips, hashtag thigh gaps, that kind of um, a lot of the things yeah. that tie in uh-huh. the negative body image and obviously eating disorders. Um, and, you, and you raise the point that these sites and now Instagram, I guess, as well, have progressed from saying, you know, issuing a warning to now issuing a link to somewhere where you can get help. Um, and right. I was just wondering if you have any kind of data of how many people actually click through to the help kind of link of it, or how many people just ignore it. Is there is there that data floating around? Oh, it's definitely floating around. I don't have it, but I mean, Tumblr, you know, Instagram, Pinterest, they, they obviously they have that. They know everything that happens on their sites, mm-hmm. you know, so... Um, but I don't, you know, I have no insider access there, so mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's one of these things I don't, you know, it's like the warnings on cigarettes, you know, people all kind of scoff at them because you're like, I, I really know smoking's bad for you. But, you know, that stuff wasn't necessarily the case. Yeah. 
50s or the early 60s and, and these kinds of things, these kind of social change uh, outcomes that they take time, you know, like you're not going to immediately eradicate uh, anorexia because of the pop-up on the website, mm. but, um, you know, the fact that you can identify the problem and, and target individuals um, with a message of help, I think is a good thing, it's certainly yeah. a great step in, in, in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm just going to read out a quote, one of my favorite uh, lines from it, um, that often the ugliest, most divisive attitudes remain behind a veil of ego and cultural norms that is almost impossible to draw back, at least through direct questioning. Um, so a lot of what the book seems to be doing is kind of trying to drag that that veil back um, without asking the most direct questions. And you talk a lot about um, Google autocomplete. Um, yeah. I found some of those, some of those, yeah, kind of again, ultimately hilarious, but also very, very scary. Um, and I, I did it. I did some today, and it comes from the, you know the very harmless. Why do all British people drink tea? To why do all Americans <laughs> love guns? And then, kind of, obviously, you get into much darker waters. Um, but you talk about how maybe these these autocompletes do they perpetuate stereotypes, or do they? help us realize them and therefore address them and discuss them and try and eradicate them which one kind of which one which side do you fall more that it's a good thing or a bad thing uh, you know i mean well i mean listen, it definitely doesn't help it doesn't fight the stereotypes for sure it doesn't do that you know it only it only helps us identify them and then it's up to us to do the fighting so i think if it purely google's involvement it probably it, it probably perpetuates the at least the, the knowledge of the stereotype. You know, mm. that like uh, you know, gay couples look alike. I think is the one that I talk about in yeah. the book that I didn't want <laughs> to thinking about. <laughs> but you know, and so, it, but you know, it does nothing. That interface does nothing to change anyone's mind about anything. So, um, you know, it, it, it's 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 just an awareness engine at that point. So, like. Um, when a person being made aware is a social researcher, I think that that's, that's uh, you know, that, that's has a thing that has potential to change uh, the way people think. But, you know, when the person made aware is an 11-year-old who's just Googling some random thing and learns an ugly stereotype because of it, um, you know, it's, it's hard to see that as a good thing. Although, you know, like, maybe the idea of having stereotypes raised as such, and it's so clearly, like, like when you learn something that you weren't thinking yourself, you're like, oh, it makes you question it a little bit more, and I'll mm-hmm. dig into it, and I, I think, you know, I, this, is, this is getting into one of these, like, unknowable type deals, but, I, you know, it's definitely important to know that, like, the way Google surfaces these things, just uh, unfiltered, you know, it only makes people more aware, and then it's up to what the, who that person is, who's a researcher, is a, a, mm-hmm. a child, who knows, you know, so... That's a, that's a general a general danger uh, with the internet. I think, but mm. you know, you just don't. It just it just bubbles stuff up sometimes. And you, uh, you readily acknowledge that um, the people who are tested um, in dataclism, obviously, OK uh, Cupid users, and uh, use the, the acronym WEIRD, which you might need to just um, uh, explain uh, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, the. Yeah, I mean, the internet generally, uh, okay, Cupid especially, is it, definitely, you know, I think white, educated, industri- industrialized, rich, and democratic, mm. I think, with the weird acronym. And then it's basically a shorthand for um, a problem that um, 
almost all social science, or much social science, has run into before when they, you know, professors would take a convenient sample to test a, a theory or whatever, and, and a convenient sample just almost by definition is, you know, college kids. Mm -hmm. and, and, and certainly in the U.S., they're almost all weird, although, you know, yeah. obviously there's plenty of Asians and, and other minorities included, but just, there's just an obvious bias there mm -hmm. uh, when you're only asking, asking college kids to stand in for everybody. Now, online, like, you know, that, that's, like, it's obvious to me and to everyone that not every single person is contributing to a data set as it is. You know, not everyone is on Facebook. You know, there's probably very few 90-year-olds, for example. Um, but, you know, I think that's a problem that is going away, whereas, like, the, the weird problem uh, of, of kind of traditional research isn't necessarily going away, uh, certainly not very quickly. It, it, um, that the reach of uh, social media especially is almost, it is so thorough, and certainly I think we'll be in, in 20 years, um, to where if you take a sample and then you have a pretty good sample which is people, which is an interesting and exciting possibility. Mm. Yeah, and um, so I guess what, in a commercial way, um, a lot of companies can see this this big data as kind of gold dust as a clear indication of this is your customer and this is how to reach them. Um, do you think any companies are kind of doing that really successfully? And do you think, I mean, I, I'm assuming that you don't, but is that the true value of big data or can we get much more from it than that? Get more from it than, than, than marketing, you Yeah. But I, I could, I could, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I don't. I think Facebook and Google have mastered the art of of uh, taking a person's data, um, you know, in, in a way that protects his privacy, but mm -hmm. but picking up a person's data and figuring out whether he might be interested in a particular product, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that's necessarily like a pernicious thing, uh, but you know, they do in the same way. It's just a, a much more precise version of. Well, of the, the thing that advertising has always done, where they're like, "Hey, this guy's watching, uh, you know, Game of Thrones." Uh, well, HBO doesn't it doesn't do advertising. So, so imagine, you know, whatever Friends you're watching Friends mm. back in the '90s, and advertisers can assume certain demographic things about you. You're probably a little bit more upscale. You're probably white. Probably 25, whatever. You know, mm. um, and so th this is just taking the word "probably" out of that stuff and then adding a lot more dimension to it. Um, uh, you know, at OKCubit, we, we just don't have the advertising scale to do anything like that, or right. there's just no reason for us to. Um, but certainly Google and Facebook have mastered it. Um, but, 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 you know, I, that, that, that stuff makes uh, for a great business. I'm, I'm, as I say in the book, like I'm excited about the, 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 the third story, like you, like you said, where it's, yeah. you know, what, what else can we find out about these people besides what they're, what they're most likely to buy? And, and, and to Facebook and Google's credit, both, I think they also realize there's the potential there, too. And, you know, Facebook it has this uh, academic, a, a data team that's basically doing purely academic research um, that they're publishing the results for. You know, it just, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some business purpose there behind it, but it is just kind of to contribute to the public knowledge of, of, of humanity. And I think that's pretty, that's pretty exciting. I mean, Google that has a similar sort of apparatus that does kind of humanistic research as well. Mm. Yeah, and do you feel sometimes a little bit frustrated that there's a kind of a why missing behind the big data? Like, as you say, it, it can tell you so much about what people are thinking and, and what people are thinking but not admitting to. Um, 
but yeah, is, is there a feeling that there's just that next little step in kind of the in the, in the consciousness that big data can't quite get yet, but might get at some point? Like why people do the things that they do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I mean, I, I think there's. I don't think of any other science that can get to the why of, 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 of the human condition. It's, it's a pretty tough one. I mean, you know, psychology has uh, very notably, and I think, admits to itself that it's been a, a pretty inaccurate and wild science. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> started in the 1900s. You know, so like the why part is. And, the, and also, to be fair, the, the why part is also so idiosyncratic. Um, mm. Everybody has their reasons for, for all kinds of different things, you know. Mm. So um, I don't know if big data will ever be able to get to that, you know. I, I think, um, yeah, I, that's, that's a tough one mm. for sure. <laughs> I, I think uh, you often, people don't know themselves why they do things. I think it's also a fair thing to, to suggest, like, you know, I mean, um, why a relationship uh, crumbles apart or, or like, why did you say that to me? You know, there's like so many different reasons I thought of stuff and that's yeah. what you say to yourself or what you say to the, just the person asking the question true. That's going to be a hard one. Um, and some of the examples that you, that you use of, of big data being used um, kind of very proactively like Google flu um, to predict mm-hmm. outbreaks and kind of monitor that. Um, I, I read as well that LAPD are using it to predict crime, um, but I yeah. was wondering yeah, if that's... Yeah, Chicago and New York are both doing Okay. Is that, is that not kind of going slightly more towards the territory of, of working with the stereotypes that big data might promote as opposed to something like flu where it's, it's very clearly just like a, a very kind of neutral piece of data? Yeah, I mean, the hard thing about... Uh, criminal uses or the, the, the policing uses is like policing comes down to an individual like they're trying to arrest like particular people you know and like the data thing like for the flu they're not trying to tell you whether a given person has the flu or not any mm-hmm. doctor can figure that out in two seconds they're just trying to tell you if there is an epidemic an aggregate yeah. phenomenon happening and maybe hospitals need to get ready or whatever you know people need to be take extra precaution again these are broad things but police work um, you know that, they're not trying to go arrest everybody, and they're trying to arrest a few people, you know, and that starts to get get, uh, get scary, because, like, this, this, this prediction, even, a, you know, you, you think somebody is 70% likely to have done something, you can't put that person in jail on that basis, you know, that, that's not good enough, you know, and it's going to be very hard for, for data to ever get that good at, at predicting a specific individual. Now, you know, if, if police forces are like, well, you know, it's hot, there's been this and this, and this, have been struggling in this neighborhood and, you know, we need to be extra on the lookout for, in general, kind of in the same way that, that an emergency room would be on the lookout for an epidemic, we yeah. need to be on the lookout for sort of, you know, maybe there's going to be more more pickpockets or something, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's like pretty legit, but I think police especially have a long history of going too far with stuff like that, so, um, you know, I, it's hard for me to get excited about, about data and police work working together. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just a, a kind of slightly random side question. Um, I went on OK Keep It and, and was about to sign up, and just the stage before you sign up, um, and, it, and it has the box, you know, are you male, female, uh, gay, straight, which country are you living in? And before I'd even entered anything into any of the boxes, it like it was already pre-filled in as being female and straight. And I was just wondering, is that, is that complete coincidence, or is that 
something. Yeah, that's totally coincidence. Oh, is it? Okay, I was like... <laughs> yeah, that's because we want to make it as easy as possible for women to sign up because they're usually the most skeptical. Oh, okay. Well, now there's, there's yeah, no... Yeah, that's, that's just, that's just basics. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing, nothing creepy there. Although, you know, look, I'm, I mean, unless you're uh, a privacy, uh, you know, like, I, there's no doubt that advertisers through the data on your cookies know that you're a, a woman mm. and that, that you're, you know, you live in the UK and all that stuff, you know, that, mm. that's for sure. Mm. Or, you know, they know with, with, with a high degree of certainty for mm. that. Um, so just, but, but we don't have access to that, you know, any random site you visit, we don't have access to that cookie, the people who do, there's companies um, that do that kind of marketing data aggregation that look, well, she, you know, she's visited this site, she's visited this site, or sorry, this person has visited this site, mm. this person has visited this site, they spent this much time on this site. You know, odds are other people who have this pattern that we were able to actually figure out, like they're women, odds are they're the woman. You know, yeah. that, that's how that works. Yeah. It's like the, uh, the example that you say of the, um, the, the group who studied Facebook likes and kind of predicted with, you know, 93%, 85%, 99% accuracy whether someone was had parents who would have exactly, before the right. age of yeah. 21 or, and you know, linked intelligence back to liking curly fries, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. Um, have you read Christian Lander's stuff? White people like. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely familiar with it. I mean, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, the post, uh, I wrote a post called "The Real Stuff White People Like." So I was obviously trying on that title uh, when I did when I did kind of analysis of, of trends like back in 2010 or something like yeah. that. So yeah, yeah, of course that was a reference to, to his thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess kind of I assumed that you, that you would have done, and I guess as you say a lot of the kind of wackier facts are very ripe for for comedy and for being kind of different yeah, yeah. I mean that's the thing like the stuff doesn't always have to be scary it's just kind of wacky and ridiculous which yeah. I personally have I appreciate more than the kind of, the kind of heavy scary stuff yeah I like that yeah I like that there's kind of that that very delicate balance in data because though um works very well between the wacky and the and the more serious yeah so it's a, it, was a, it was tough to get that Right, so what was the most surprising um, thing you found out, piece of data you found out when you were when you were writing the book? Well, I mean, I guess it's probably the most like modified surprising thing um, it was. I, I guess the, the stuff with Twitter. I guess on the third chapter about how you know people are actually that the word length in tweets is actually longer than in most in text, you know, that, that it seems like Twitter, a given tweet is more sort of dense with meaning, uh, so you want to kind of take a little bit of a 
just there than than uh, than magazine writing or, or anything. But I was actually surprised by that, and, and I, I, you know, I measured it, and then you know, I found other researchers who measured the same effect. So it feels like that tweets, yeah, tweets, the average word length in, in, in on Twitter is longer. Um, if you look at the most popular words, mm. um, they're they're slightly more sophisticated uh, than than what you get just in normal speech. I guess because in normal speech you have so much time to set up what you're really trying to say, mm. you know, um, or you obviously you don't on Twitter. So that, that, it's one of these things that sort of makes sense once you go back and think about it, but I would surprised that for sure. I would have expected it would be all abbreviations and, you know, shorthand essentially, but it's yeah. not. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that like, um, that text speak, you know, kind of very, very like shorthanded is, seems to be not not kind of used as much anymore actually as as, right. as Twitter and, and text have kind of become you know yeah I mean you see a few sort of shortcuts for like the letter U for the word U and all that kind of yeah. stuff but yeah they kind of like really kind of stupid of good like valley girl yeah. of, of that. you don't you don't really see that as much or at least you, you see it but people 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 notice it disproportionately yeah. in the amount that it's actually used yeah. uh, do you have any uh, interesting UK based data that you can share with us? Well, I'm actually pulling, um, I, I told Patrick this, uh, I'm, not, I'm actually trying to pull uh, the kind of like, the, the you know, the stuff white people like words, I'm trying to pull that for, for Britons versus versus Canadians and Americans. I, sh- I should have that by like early next week. Awesome. Well, that's very exciting. Yeah, so that'd be, I think that would be cool and hopefully it'll be funny. Yeah, definitely. I'm <laughs> but no doubt. Uh, anyway, I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Big data. What do you think the dangers are, um, and where it can go next? Um, well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. Um, I mean, for me, the part about in general about technology. That, I mean, I think it's important to differentiate between the technology and the data. Like people are more or less volunteered all this data. You know, mm. at least the stuff on Facebook and Twitter. Like. So it's you know there's there's first there's only so much people can negative things people can do with it like the fact that Facebook knows who your parents are or you know they have all these pictures of your baby like it doesn't might not feel that great mm. but first of all you gave them all that stuff and second like what what's, what can really happen that's that bad honestly I'd be far more scared of some random troll getting a hold of it than Facebook of course yeah. you know so so. Um, but, like, the technology side of things like, you know, there's a GPS in every phone, so we're all being tracked in a kind of weird, like, you know, <laughs> uh, in, in a weird, like, low jack. I don't know if they have that in the UK, but it's like this thing where you put a little chip in your car and you know where it is all the time. Mm-hmm. PS1 steals it. Well, now people know where everybody else is or could know that. You know, that's definitely going into some computer somewhere. Whether anyone ever looks at the data, I don't know. Right. Or, like, the security cameras, especially I know in, in London and in the UK generally, that's that's a big thing. Like, basically, you can't walk around yeah. without somebody knowing where you are if they wanted to find you, especially once, you know, facial recognition APIs get more sophisticated, mm-hmm. um, which they're quickly doing. Yeah. And then, you know, like, the, the drones, um, I, I know that word usually means, you know, that they kind of are unmanned bombers that the mm. U.S. uses, but I'm talking about the little quadcopter um, helicopter drones that you see, the little small consumer ones that yeah, people yeah. use for photography. Um, you know, I started, I've seen a few of them around the summer. I had never seen one before in my life, and I bet in five years I got to see everywhere. Mm. And like, the same thing, you know, you could, you're, I don't know, you're taking a shower and you're on the 10th floor of your building. There's absolutely no reason why one can't fly by and take a picture of you. Now, mm. And that's going to happen for sure. Mm. Uh, you know, because you, you sell those things at Walmart or wherever, and that's what's going to happen. Mm. 
And that's pretty scary. Like, I'm not excited about that at all. There's nothing good that can come with that. Like, because for me, the difference there is, like, on Facebook, I, I'm volunteering that information. Yeah. You know, I might not like it that the Facebook then uses it to advertise to me, but, like, I mean, that's also well-known, and that's just part of the contract, I feel like. Yeah, it's kind of like um, tacit consent, almost. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, Facebook, of course, would say it's explicit because you agree to their terms and conditions. Yeah. Yeah, sure. You can one way or the other. Only the most absolutely obtuse person at this point doesn't realize what's going on, at least to some degree there. Mm-hmm. Um, however, but there's other stuff. There's no, there's not even that. There's no consent. Yeah. In fact, they, you can, people can and will be doing this stuff regardless of that someone's consent. You know, and that, that's pretty scary. I'm not, there's nothing good there. Do you think Google Glass is, yeah. is taking us in that kind of slightly more... Sure, Google Glass. Is, I mean, that's just basically puts a security camera on certain individuals. Apparently, yeah. I don't Glass is going to take off. I, not for any, but it's just too, it's too creepy, too stupid looking, <laughs> you know. Look, I mean, people thought segways were really cool too. You know, or, you know I, I just don't, I don't see that going anywhere. Good. Well, on that... But the whole thing, yeah, it's just too weird. I mean, it's too weird. But of course, everybody already has a camera on their phone. So, yeah. it's, it's like, I'm not that worried, if, you know, like, that stuff ends up on Google servers. It's not the end of the world. Like, I honestly, it sounds crazy to say, but I, I trust Google and Facebook far more than I trust some random American who's bought a, uh, who's, who's bought a, bought a drone and mm. is running around taking pictures or some, you know, some random, and it's nothing against American, some random Britain who, who is, uh, installed a camera in, you know, outside his window so he can, like, watch people go by or who knows what else. You know, that, yeah. that's, that, that's where the kind of, like, democratic nature of some of the stuff is a big negative because, Google and Facebook have everything to lose. Yeah, I guess they've got that. Transcribing yeah, they... with these things, and they're, they're like generally responsible in ways that, like, you know, I, I just I feel like there is more responsibility and accountability in a company like that, mm-hmm. as opposed to being anonymous and just yeah, yeah, just some anonymous troll. Yeah, I mean, or just just some teenager. You know, I mean, who doesn't even realize what he's doing is like terrible. You, mm-hmm. you know, or, or just error. You know, like I, you know. It just can't be good. I don't know what... Yeah, it just can't be good. Yeah. So, so in, in short, I worry more about the hardware type stuff than yeah, I worry yeah. about the, the data that people are, are volunteering. Because for me, the volunteering cause, I want to take all the worry. As soon as people get tired of it or it goes too far, well, people just draw back. There's just kind of basic forces at play there. Okay, well, um, I'll let you go now, but thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Oh yeah, no, my, my pleasure. Uh, 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 feel free to hit me with any follow-up for sure. Dataclism is published by Fourth Estate on the 11th of September, available in hardback and ebook. Thank you for listening.